Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at... 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. Good evening and welcome to Breaking the Silence. I'm Greg Williams here live in Houston, Texas, Look at the sunset behind me. This is the most beautiful city in the world, and I just appreciate you being here with us tonight. And this is going to be a money-back guarantee that you are going to be blessed after listening to our guest this evening. This is just going to absolutely knock your socks off. So you may want to buy some, uh, go grab some duct tape and duct tape them on tonight because this is really going to be powerful, and it's really going to be uh, something that you can use. I think everybody in life can use what we're going to hear about from our guest this evening, even though she has a very uh, particular sector that she lived with and worked with uh, and has been married to for many, many years. But this is going to be an awesome, awesome program. And I always appreciate you uh, spending an hour with us every Sunday evening live. Uh, the next few weeks we have coming up, we have, I believe, Kelly White next week. Following that, we have somebody that deals with improvisation uh, on how to deal with stress and anxiety. And we're going to do some improv uh, live in a couple of weeks. And we have some wonderful guests that's just right down uh, in the month of uh, around Easter time, too. That's going to be really, really good. So make sure you join us. And if you miss us, there's two different ways uh, to be able to watch. You can watch live right now. And about, uh, we're already around the world uh, right now, but uh, about Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, it will go into the the uh, podcast world. I don't know how the radio station does that. I, I don't try to even figure it out. But you can go right on to uh, your iPhone and say, hey, Breaking the Silence. Uh, and Siri will attach you right into this week's program and immediately kick uh, right into uh, the beginning of the show. And you can listen to it live. Spotify, YouTube. Um, there's so many different, I think 12, 15 different platforms. Uh, once uh, goes out next week. But tonight we are live on the radio and on the internet, on Facebook. So you can get on the Facebook page, Shattered by the Darkness. And my wonderful son that's in the U.S. Army in Seattle, Washington, is running that program for us tonight. And if you have a comment or a question of tonight's guest, feel free to patch it in there. And uh, he may jump on board later on in the program this evening if he gets home from the Army work uh, in time tonight. Uh, or you can call directly into the beautiful people at BBS radio station, and TJ's right there. He will use that wonderful radio voice at 888-627-6008 and ask the question. They will patch you right through uh, to me and the guests, and you'll be able to talk live uh, to her. Before we bring her on tonight, 
I uh, want to make sure you have a pencil and a, and a piece of paper uh, to be able to write down a couple books. I really, really want to highly recommend to you. Uh, I read the the one book twice. It was so powerful and life lessons. And it's going to be awesome. What, how to cope with, with things in life. And, you know, it seems like when we deal with things, I always like to start off with the program that things that I need to hear uh, and maybe you can be able to apply in your own life. And, and just a couple of things I just want to share with you because I really want to get to the guests tonight is there's nothing. First thing I want you to catch. There's nothing selfish about taking the time for you to self-care and self-love you. A lot of times we overlook that part in our life. And for us to be able to keep that uh, balance in our life and that center of our life in the right perspective, every now and then we need to take a step back and take care of ourselves. We need to pamper ourselves a little bit. We need to self-love. Uh, don't run yourself and your tank completely on empty. Uh, when you start getting low, feel free to say, hey, folks, you go ahead and uh, finish the meal and wash the dishes, but I'm going to go take a bath. I'm going to take a hot shower. I'm going to go read a book. I'm going to spend some time alone. And don't feel guilty of taking care of yourself. That is not selfish. We all need that. And I tend to put myself the last one on the in line that really needs that. And I overlook it and I end up paying for it later on. Um, your contrib contribution to the world um, is unbelievable, but you can only transmit genuine, positive emotions and thoughts and impact when you are in a genuine, positive, emotional position. You can sometimes fake it till you make it, but let's understand that you need to make sure that you are in a positive place. And when you really can be used where your destiny is, try to find yourself in a, that positive mode and take care of that. And another thing I want you to remember that I needed to hear this week, that long-term happiness can only be felt if you don't set conditions. Realize there is a life balance and the self between uh, ideal and disappointing. And in that disappointment, uh, our life's way of kind of whispering to yourself, hey, it's going to get better on the other side of this. Uh, hang in there. Don't give up. So when you're going, if you're going through a downtime right now, it may be life just telling you, don't, don't give up. Hang in there. It's going to get better soon. So don't give up. There's always hope. Like we're always in the program with every week. And the last thing I want, and is that I get <laughs> in this place by myself, I get in dark places sometimes. And when I get in a dark place, let others in when you're in your dark place. They may not be able to, to open the door and walk in and drag you out. But if you allow other people in when you're in a dark place, when they open the door and enter in, 
you may be able to see with the light that comes through when they open that door, you're letting them in, you at least know possibly where the door is. So allow other people into your world, into your life, into your heart when it gets dark for you. That's some things that I needed to hear this week, and maybe you need to also. But uh, apply them this week. Maybe you're going to run into somebody this week that needs uh, somebody. And they're in that dark place and say, hey, don't be afraid to let people into your world when you're in your darkest times. Because they are there for a reason. Okay? Thank you for that. listening to that. Tonight's guest, I want to tell you, I've had a lot of people in the last three and a half years on our program. But this is the one that probably is in the top two or three that I am most honored to have on our program this evening, Vicki Cody. And you want to write that name down, V-I-C-K-I Cody, C-O-D-Y. After 33 years of being an Army wife, is now an Army mom uh, with two sons that's in uh, the Army, and they are in the Apache helicopter uh, pilots, which is unbelievable technology in the United States Army, probably one of the most high-tech uh, pieces of equipment. So when you're in that kind of crew, you know you're one of the top in uh, the military. And she writes about her experiences of being an Army wife uh, in two award-winning books and advises military spouses and parents around the country and two two books I want you to write down. One is Army Wife, and the other one is Fly Safe, and they're both excellent. Uh, Vicky is married to the retired, decorated four-star general who served as the 31st Vice Chief of Staff of the United States Army, Richard Arthur Dick. Cody, and while raising their two sons and moving all over the United States and overseas, she served as a coach and a mentor for Army spouses as it now is an advocate for Army families. And these books are not just for Army families. They're for every mom and dad and grandma and grandpa because these are awesome, awesome books. I want to welcome to the program tonight, Vicki Cody. Vicki, can you hear me tonight? Yes, thank you, Craig. It, hey, it's well, great it's to great to have you. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. This is great, and thank you for that great introduction and and all the all the uh, thoughtful things that you said before that. Uh, a lot to think about. Well, I'll tell you, Vicky, you probably know, and I, I didn't write that because I read the book twice yesterday. But you probably know more about those dark places than. A lot of people, because there were so many dark places for you, uh, and we're going to talk about that, because I can't even imagine what you as a spouse of, for 33 years, of an Army husband that ended up going up the ranks as about as high as you can go, and being involved in the Persian Gulf War, and more than that. But what you've gone through, the dark places, you know all about those, right? Right. But you know what's funny, Greg, and I'm sure you'll agree with me. Um, as time goes on, we tend to look back on our lives. And I don't I don't see all those dark places 
as dark because I learned, I gained so much from all of it. I, I took the opportunities, um, you know, rather than, than cave in when times were challenging. And for me, I, I have to say, I've been very blessed. My husband always came home from war. Our sons have come home. I have not lived what so many, you know, tens of thousands of other family members have lived through. Um, I consider myself truly blessed. Um, but just the day-to-day challenges of Army life and or military life in, in general, um, just what what our spouses do for a living that's dangerous and especially flying helicopters. Um, you know, it's not so much dark places. It's just, it seemed like every step of the way there were hurdles, challenges. We, we'd get on a plateau and life would be going great. And, and I'd love the place where we were stationed and my husband, you know, was doing great things. And then next thing you know, you're uprooting the family again. And it's just yet another challenge and hurdle, but I always chose to look at it that I was going to, um, well, it was sink or swim. And for me, I choose to swim. I'm not going to sink. So I learned from, from those experiences. And yeah, a couple of times I would say dark times for me were when my husband was deployed or certainly when both of our sons were deployed to Iraq repeatedly. Those probably, those were the lowest points that I had as a wife, as a mother, and I had to really learn to get through that. And usually what helped me was being around other Army spouses, helping out others, reaching out to others got me through. And then eventually it was the writing, writing books about this way of life that um, helped me put everything in order, kind of sort through everything and look at the tough times, the great times, um, you know, and, and it gave me so much more perspective just writing about it after all these years. Um, and that's what I will continue to do because I feel like I'm not just telling my story. I'm telling the stories of lots of, you know, thousands of other families, even though we might have a, a different path, a, a unique journey, um, just those similarities. And And like you said, I appreciate the fact that you said that what I write about is not just for military families. It's it's life lessons for anybody. Well, I mean, the way I read it, I mean, I have had two sons in the military, one still active. Uh, Curtis is still in the Army and um, so proud of my, my boys like you well, are. And I, I, thank you for, for your son's service. Oh, um, and your, your husband's I mean, service and huge. entire families is unbelievable, too. Yeah. Thank you. Um but I, I I correlate some of the the letters and the journal entries and the way you wrote the book. It could even be uh, apparent that it's not for sure where their kids are at, uh, right. and they show up two hours late from being on a date because that same emotion of uh oh, having no news exactly puts me in that anxiety in that spot of uh oh, what do I do? How do I deal with not knowing? And is that right. some of the hardest uh, experiences of being a military wife of sometimes you get the news like everybody else does right off the TV? Right, right. And you bring up a good point because a lot about what I write about is about letting go, whether it was saying goodbye to my husband and having to face that um, that reality that 
he was getting on a plane and there were no guarantees that he was coming home. And then later in life, it was our sons having to do that, that letting go. So whether you're sending your kid off to college or, or your, your grown kid is, is moving somewhere across the country, whatever, it's that facing that new reality that they're going to be gone. And in my case, you know, it meant they were in harm's way usually. Um, and not everybody has to live with that, but, um, you know, learning to deal with that. And, and again, I have to say each one of these experiences and each time I had to do it, I became stronger. And then I'm not saying it got easier, but maybe I just kind of learned the routine better. And, you know, each time my husband went away, I was that much stronger, that much more prepared, maybe. Yeah. Of course, then, you know, life would throw a curveball. There's always curveballs coming at you, you know, just when you think you've got it figured out, there was something else. But um, I don't know. I always managed to come out on top. <laughs> but Jay, I, I want to thank you for being such a good housekeeper. Because <laughs> you vacuuming under your bed and hitting this box of letters uh, brought a huge blessing to me when you decided well, to uh, open that box and share it with the world. And... Um, I appreciate that. And, you know, that's a lesson. And, you know, you never know what's around the corner. When I saved those letters from Desert Storm, there were 94 letters in all. Um, I had them all bundled up in a hat box. I moved that we moved probably another 10 times since then. Those letters always went with us. I never dreamed that I was going to write a book about those letters. Um, and then something just came to me. I reread the letters and it was like, wow, there is a story just in that. And oh. I have my two journals right there alongside the the letters. And I hadn't looked at those things in probably 30 years. But um, you know what? It, it The journals and his letters to me, it told the story of the Gulf War from my husband's perspective and from mine. Yeah. And, you know. I hope when people see the cover of the book, and it, it's beautiful. I, I don't know if you have one there where you can show, but. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, because all I have is, is the e-version. Yes, uh, so it's know. it's literally a photograph of one of the bundles of letters. And oh, that's see. really the the bundle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the, the ribbon. That ribbon is 30 years old. Isn't that oh, weird? Oh, wow. Yeah, sure is now that I see it. Yeah, that and you can awesome. see my name and address on the envelope. And he had the. His uh, paper, his note paper, he had one of his guys design an Apache helicopter. They made their own letterhead. You know, they couldn't afford to, or they couldn't go out and get some printed. They were in the desert. So some kid designed that. They copied it. So he would write me letters on his little Apache letterhead. Yeah. That, that is so awesome. And <laughs> I, I want people to, even though the subtitle talks about the Persian Gulf War, it. It's not a historical book of, okay, wait, why would I want to read about that war now? It's about the emotions of dealing with what was going on with you personally. And I I hope people don't overlook that because that's the subtitle, because it's a book that should be read today. It was as if I almost relived some of those times in my own life because Mm -hmm. I could remember uh, when the war was getting ready to break out and and things of that order. And it's so beautifully done with the way you have his letter 
Well, you mm-hmm. have the, you have a story, you have the chapter, yeah, the you have his yeah. letter, and then your journal entries. Are those actual? I mean, word for word, journal entries uh, from uh, those letters. Yes, yes, and no. So my journal entries that, and that's what was so. Um, it was kind of this light bulb went off when I when I started rereading the journal entries. Now, obviously, I didn't put them all in. I didn't put all 94 letters in because there was an awful lot of, in his letters, repetition of same old thing, miss you, love you, can't wait to come home type thing. So with the letters and with the journals, um, and my editor was, was real good about um, kind of steering me because I was so overwhelmed. I said, I said first of all, people don't want to read some all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, not even that exciting. Um, so what I did was I went through the journal entries and picked out the the ones that had something profound yeah. or maybe it was just a sentence that was leading me. And then I kind of embellished it. Um, but what struck me was what I was thinking back then when I was only um, how old was I? I don't know, 35, 40. No, I wasn't 40 yet. Um, but the fact that I was thinking these things even back then, because it's how I would be thinking today. So it was really easy to take those thoughts and then kind of embellish it to the point where it would be readable also for just about anybody. Um, because I didn't want it. At, like you said, people might look at this and think, well, why do I want to read about some wife going through you know, a deployment and the war. So, um, you know, and sometimes I combined journal entries, you know, it might've been two from this, from one week and it was combined into make one good journal entry. And the same with his letters. Um, I I, took the best of the um, best. I, I, in, in the ebook, I highlighted a bookmark. Um, mm-hmm. this journal entry, and I believe it was right after you received a letter from um, your husband. I'll call my parents because his last sentence in his letter to you, at least in the book, says, I'll call my parents' house on Christmas Day. So oh, this okay, is yeah. a Christmas season, and your yeah. journal entry goes like this. And I want to get, I want to, I really want to get your heart on this. <laughs> you can't be strong. All the time. We can fake it, suppress, deny, and avoid our emotions for only so long. And eventually, there is a trigger, a tripping point, and it all comes pouring out. And then you go into about your triggering points and your tripping points. Tell me what what was going on in your heart right there on that day. Well, that was, it would have, it was Christmas Day, and he called, and that was when, you know, I had been strong for all those months. He left in August. By now, it's it's December. I'm up in Vermont with our families, and I'm, everybody's got their spouses, their kids, and I'm the only one with my two kids and no husband, and my husband's from a big family, and, um, and I remember I was videotaping. We had a big, brand new camcorder, the big, huge ones. And I was videotaping our boys opening their gifts so I could show it to their dad, you know, later on. And I remember I was looking through the viewfinder 
And I'm filming this and it was like this out of body experience. And all of a sudden it just hit me. Your husband's gone. You don't know if he's okay, when the war is going to start. And I started crying so hard, but I didn't want anybody to know it was Christmas morning. I backed out of the room, went upstairs. Dick's mother was up at the top of the stairs crying herself. But that was the day when I, I just let the guard down. I let the dam open up. And boy, I cried. I had a good cry. And because back at Fort Campbell, I was being so strong for all those spouses. I was being strong for my my kids, the boys, you know. I was being strong for everybody. And it was like when I finally got home and I was with my parents and Dick's parents and our families, it was like, man, I can't do this much longer, you know. And, and boy, it, that was a real low point. But again, had a good cry picked myself up by my bootstraps and thought, okay, you know, I've got to face what's coming. I, I knew the war was coming. You know, we all did. There was that January 15th deadline. So I, I knew that once I got through the holidays, you know, I was going to have to step up to the plate again <laughs> and, yeah. and be strong for everybody. But I did. Oh, I allowed myself a good cry that day. And my, and actually I was crying when I was on the phone with my husband, which I tried so hard not to do. You know, he didn't need that. It's hard enough for the guys over in the combat zone. And and if you're whining and crying on the phone, um, but, you know, it couldn't be helped. It was Christmas Day. And I think that I was I deserved a, a moment of, uh, you know, self-pity. Yeah. And, and a few uh, chapters later, you talk about in your journal entry here, uh, my courage is waning. The deadline is here. And I'm afraid of what it will mean for all of us. I talk about patience, inner strength, balance, acceptance, and facing life's challenges, but I'm not feeling any of that right yeah. now. So this is getting the time of the deadline yes, so the, yes. of hey, right. Jan January 15th. Right. All hell's gonna break loose. Right. And and I had already he had already called and and said this kind of unofficial goodbye to me a few days before. Oh. Yeah. And and that's when I knew, oh, man, he's up to something. He's going to do something. We used our code words and everything, which, you know, I don't want to do a whole spoiler alert for everybody. But I knew something big was coming. And part of me wanted to and I think I said this in a journal entry, too. Part of me wanted to get it over with. I wanted to see what it was, what what this big unknown out there was going to be it's like okay let's get the the show on you know and and let's face it because until you do that until you face that unknown or you face that demon whatever it is you can't move on you're just stuck in that one place and I felt like all of us back at Fort Campbell well probably everybody in the United States because we were all following this whole you know how this war was going to unfold right on live tv and you know, in order to, to get past it, you're going to have to stare that demon right in the eyes. You know, there's no getting around it. Now, and, and that four-star general Cody was learned. ready for that, was he not? Did he not have almost an anticipation of, I have waited all of my life for this yes. moment in time? At least that's the way this book yes. kind of leads you up to. And that oh, would right. have to be, I know there's danger but he was, he was biting at the bit. Let me loose, yeah. let me loose. And typically that's how 
um, soldiers are. They train and train and train. It's kind of like, um, you know, an NFL football player. You know, they train and train. They want to go to the Super Bowl. You know, oh, whether yeah. they tell you that or not. These guys that are that are serving in the military, guys and gals too, you know, this is their thing. This is their profession. Not that they want to go to war. Not that they want to shoot and do all those things that happen in war. But this is what they've trained for. And in my husband's case and, and both of our sons, it's flying those Apache helicopters. They oh. have trained. They want to do this. And whatever the mission is and wherever it takes them, that, that's what they're going to do. And, it, and I, this is a beautiful spot to take our, our commercial break because we're getting ready to – I have the journal entry, and I know I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Um, <laughs> but on the other side of this, I want to find out how you found out the bullets were shot and uh-huh. how you discovered that and who is involved in those first bullets is going to uh, be, is very, very impressive. We'll be right back after our first, we're our only commercial break tonight, 888-627-6008. If you have a question, you a comment, jump on in, and BBS Radio will patch you in. We'll be right back. Don't leave us, because the best is yet to come. You will not want to miss <laughs> this last half hour. Hang with us. We're right back. HCI Publishing that brought you the international bestsellers, A Child Called It, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series comes the latest book by Dr. Gregory Williams, Shattered by the Darkness. This book describes the horrific abuse that Dr. Williams suffered at the hands of his father for over 12 years and the damaging effect of keeping everything silent about that abuse for 30 years. If you're looking for that book that you can't put down, then pick up a copy of Shattered by the Darkness by Dr. Gregory Williams at all Barnes & Noble stores, Amazon, and Books A Million. Now, back to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Welcome back. We are honored tonight to have Vicki Cody, uh, the wife of four-star general uh, Richard Cody. Um, and uh, I think I could talk to you for hours uh, from the way the way you wrote this book. Uh, beautiful, beautiful writing. Um, you were at uh, a meeting uh, of a monthly aviation brigade meeting for all the commander's wives. And the Bridget, the brigade commander's wife, Betsy, opened the meeting by saying, in case you don't know, Dick Cody fired the first shots of the war. Tell me about that. You were sitting there. You didn't know yet. But immediately, that had, what, what was your emotions when you heard that for the first time? Well, first of all, leading up to it, the, the few days, well, since since the air war began, 
I kept hearing things on the news, but it was all very vague. They'd say something about Apache helicopters, but not really go into detail. And I kept thinking all the clues that Dick had tried to give me in his letters, and I'm, I'm trying to piece it together. But I never dreamed that he and, and you know, there were 16 of them, eight Apache helicopters that went in and took out the radar sites and fired the first shots. You know, I never dreamed that Dick... And his guys actually did that. I thought, well, maybe they were part of some bigger plan, you know. So there had been rumors. And and then also right before that meeting, a friend had called me up and she said, uh, my husband called me and told me to tell you, your husband just made history last night. So then I started thinking, wow, I wonder what Dick was up to. <laughs> so then I get so then a few days later, I go to this meeting with the the brigade you know, it was all the battalion commanders' wives in our brigade, and and Betsy said that, and it was like I didn't know what to say. And and the way I wrote it also was, it was like I was so excited, I was so proud of my husband, but in the army, with amongst us spouses, you don't really brag about your husband, and you don't. Nobody takes credit. No one person takes credit for anything. It's always a group effort, team effort. That's just how it is. So I was kind of embarrassed. I didn't know what to say. I didn't really say anything. And then, you know, we just went about our meeting. But I'm sitting there and secretly. I mean, I was bursting with pride. I, I, you know, but I suppressed it because I didn't want anybody thinking because all their husbands were over there doing, you know, dangerous things. It just so happened that my husband on that particular night did more than the average person, I guess. Um, but it, it's so funny because it's ingrained in us from the from the beginning. You just, you don't really talk about yourself or what your husband's doing. At least I didn't. Um, I just felt like he was part of it. He was leading a team and he was, he was their commander and it was a group effort. And um, so, yeah, I didn't really know how to react, but yeah, deep inside, I was, I was just bursting with pride. I thought I couldn't wait to get home and call somebody like our parents or something, you know, just so I could really enjoy the moment. Has, has he told you about that day? Pardon? Is he, as your, has your husband told you about that day of, the first bullets of that war. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but when it happened and it wasn't until he got home a few months later that we really talked about it, but even then, you know, he, he didn't go into great detail. And then as time went on and I would read articles, there would be, <laughs> he would be talked about in books. He would be on TV, you know, and it was like, wow, that was pretty amazing but I think then to relive it 30 years later and me writing about it and I I kept asking him for more detail and sometimes he you know he would just gloss over it well yeah we went to the safe house we did this and blah 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 so that's when I started call I called a couple of his pilots that had flown with him and they were the ones that gave me some really good insight on what it was really like and then I would write it up and he would read my chapters before I submitted them to my editor. And, you know, a couple of times he just, he looked at me and he said, wow, he said, to read it the way you've written it and to see it from, you know, 
your perspective, Vicki. He said, you know, this is really profound. I think he relived it all over again. And as I was writing the book, it was time for the 30 year anniversary of Desert Storm and all that. And we did gather at Fort Campbell with a lot of the the, uh, pilots that were on the mission with him. And again, you know, we couldn't believe the years had gone by. And, um, but we all relived it again, reading my book, you know, because, and, and I put it in layman's terms. So for anybody out there thinking, oh, wow, am I going to be reading all these military missions? No, it's my perspective. Uh, You know, I wrote it the way I saw it and what I gathered from his letters and talking to some of his guys. And I, I think I kept it exciting and accurate, um, but readable, you know, by anyone. But, um, yeah, I feel like that's when I really got the full story. When I wrote it up, showed it to him, and he said, yes, this is exactly how it went down. And he was really proud of me that I captured it for him. Did did you realize that, and did he realize that this was a pivotal part of our country's history at that time? Or now that you look back on it, you go, wow, that really was major um or at the time was it just at the time he still had to fight the rest of the war so he did that mission opened up the air war the air war goes on for i don't know what was it another month or so he still had the mission with the 101st to support the ground troops and all of that so there was really no time to think about what he had done but it, it was all those moments afterwards when um, he was inducted into the Air Force Hall of Fame. They they had him in their Hall of Fame about a year later. And and in, in Dick's group of people that had done tremendous things, you know, in, in aviation history, there was George Bush Sr., who had done the first, uh, flown the first uh, carrier deck landings. Um, there was Tuskegee Airmen, there, Chuck Yeager. It's like we're sitting at this formal function and my husband is among these heroes. And and this was a just a year after Desert Storm. So our sons were probably 12 and 14 at the time. We realized then that Dick really and his guys, they made history. They really did. And, and nothing has been done since then. There's not been another helicopter raid of that type since in in all the years in Iraq and Afghanistan no one has done a stealth mission like that that was 100% successful because my husband reminded me repeatedly and he still does he'll say Vicky in an instant that could have changed and we wouldn't be talking about this he said I wouldn't even be here my guys wouldn't be here and it would have been a whole different story if one thing had gone wrong that night that's how that's how scary it was, but I didn't know. I didn't know until after the fact, and it's just as well. The uh, uh, I, I think it's my next. Uh... Yeah, were you at the Super Bowl that day? No, no. The kids and I, we were watching it. You were watching TV. it. Yes. So when you and I, I remember this so vividly. Was yeah, this one of those times? Yeah. That our country could have possibly been in the highest. Oh. realm of pride of yes. who we are 
and what we stand for when Frank Gifford said, I love the way you put this, in honor of America, and especially the brave men and women serving our nation in the Persian Gulf and around the world, please join me singing the national anthem sung by Grammy winner Whitney Houston to be Aww. followed by the flyover of the F-16s. And then when Whitney did that song. Yeah. Everybody was, remembers that. One like of those moments. Again. Yeah. And I want, and you know, with this book, I wanted to take people back to that time. And also the younger generation, I've had a number of, of uh, younger people that have read my book that are like maybe in their thirties. So they didn't know about the first Gulf war. It was like, Oh, I didn't know about the first Gulf War. They only know the war in Iraq and Afghanistan for this generation. But they appreciated how I captured a time when there was no Internet, no emails, uh, you know, the whole and the whole written letter thing, you know. So I like being able to take readers to another place in time and have them really get a feel for what 1990 and what 1991 were like. And that's why I put some of those references about, you know, Whitney Houston singing the national anthem that I guess to this day, they say it was the best rendition that was ever done. You know, yeah, Chris Stapleton knocked it out of the park this year, but boy, yeah, that, he did. Uh, he but, did. but Whitney still has that. Yeah. And I think it was just that time. It, you're right. It was that whole sense of patriotism. That's your, it was, Saddam Hussein it was wonderful. and all of that evil had been, you know, yeah. Attacked. And right. Wonderful. When did you realize in your 33 years of being an army wife that the very women that were surrounding you weren't just part of a club, that they were part of the military and your calling um, was to reach out and grab their hand, to put your arm around them, to mm -hmm. hold them, to talk to them, to just be there. How many times did you have to go knock on a door, Vicki, and yeah, share bad news? Quite a few times. And I think that's when, that's when I realized what my role was, that it was uh -huh. more than just being, you know, Captain Cody's wife or company commander's wife. Um, the, the very first assignment at Hunter Army Airfield when Dick was a, a pretty new pilot. Um, back then, it was he was flying Cobras, and he was a company commander. And the first time there was an accident, um, that's when the reality of what he did for a living um, really hit home. And I realized that what we had in our unit was a family, you know, we were a family. We supported each other. We leaned on each other. And he hadn't really been deployed yet. I mean, he was kind of when we were first getting married and had to postpone the wedding because he, he went to Guam and helped with the evacuation effort of the, uh, the um, refugees from Vietnam. But anyway, that's a whole other story. That's in the other book, Army Wife. Um, you know, I, I knew it then that um, this was such a unique way of life, but it wasn't until he was in a leadership position, I think, that I saw my role as a really important one that could 
benefit the unit. It made me part of what he was doing, and I loved that. I loved every time Dick was in a command position all the way up through all the ranks, all the way up to four-star general. I loved being part of that. I loved helping him create um, what they call command climate. We created a family within the unit because then when those tough times came and there was a crash, an accident, and every unit we were in, there was always crashes, accidents, death, uh, injuries. We went through it every single time. But by creating that family atmosphere and by me, um, you know, always trying to be approachable um, to the other spouses, I felt like then when they needed me, they could turn to me. And I, I just saw my role as being an advocate, being a, a supporter, a cheerleader at times, um, a mother figure. Um, and, and throughout the years, that's what I did. And, and then it was just kind of that natural transition as my husband was ready to retire from the military. And then our two sons are coming in. Um, I became, I felt like my role was to, to help the parents out there that have soldiers serving, you know? Um, so I kind of like just shifted my gears from army spouse to army mom and then, and the writing, I started writing and, you know, I feel like that's my way of giving back, um, reaching other families, you know, with whatever I write, it's always about military life. Was writing part of your way of getting through those lonely nights? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning it was, it was journals. I would write in journals when Dick was gone. And, and then when our sons deployed, um, you know, shortly after September 11th, that's when our sons began deploying. And it was just this constant cycle of, um, rotations back and forth to Iraq, Afghanistan. And in order to cope, um, that's when I wrote the, the manual for parents of soldiers. And it's now been revised, your soldier, your army, a family guide. And that was kind of to help families get through deployments, help navigate, um, army life in general. Um, and that was so well received that that's when I decided to write a memoir, a full length memoir. And that the first book was Army Wife and then most recently Fly Safe. But yeah, it's, it's also been a coping mechanism for me. What wisdom do you have for a military spouse of somebody that's been deployed and they're just at the end of the rope? What do you say that, hey, I've been there, done this. What is that motherly, godly, angel-like wisdom that you share with them if you had them uh, listening in tonight? Uh, What would you say to them? Well, it's funny because a little bit of what you were talking about at the very beginning before you introduced me about opening the door and letting people in to your life, I would say one of the most important things for me throughout the years from brand new lieutenant's wife all the way up to four-star general's wife, it was always staying connected with other spouses or mothers of soldiers, whatever it is, but staying connected within that community because they, people that are going through what you're going through, it, it really does help you 
get through the tough times. Um, as close as I always was to our families, our siblings, all of our relatives up in Vermont, and I counted on them for love and support through everything. But day to day, it was my fellow Army spouses there at Fort Campbell, Fort Hood, wherever we were stationed. We got each other through everything. So first and foremost, I always advise young spouses when they're first starting out, stay connected with your Army community, whether you live on post or not. The other thing is, utilize the resources that they have for you. There's a lot of, of great resources and outreach programs. They're there for spouses and family members to use. And so, you know, just look around you and use that. The other thing piece to that is giving back. I noticed every time I volunteered and helped other spouses, I felt so much better. I, I could get through anything because I was doing something constructive with my time other than sitting home, wallowing in self-pity and worrying. Um, so those are three key, key things, staying connected, utilizing the resources at your hands. And um, I forgot now what I just said because I've been We're talking. Reaching out, so to, reaching out to others. Yes. Oh, right, right. Giving and giving back. And yeah. see, I think that's why, you know, after my husband retired from the Army, he has stayed very involved. He runs a couple of nonprofits and um, both of us together do a lot of things with wounded veterans. And yeah. But my writing, that's my way of giving back. Um, I, I love to think that maybe one of my books is getting in the hands of someone that really needs it. Um, this is my gift. This is what I can do for others. And boy, it sure makes you feel good at the end of the day. Yeah. And is this the book that there's been over 500,000, uh, yes. on, on flying safe? No, no, that, no, that army was uh, your soldier, your army, a family guy. Okay. Yeah. And that's free. That is free of charge that you get through, um, ausa.org. That's the Association of the United States Army, AUSA.org. You go on their website and, and just type in your soldier, your army, a family guide. They will send it to you for free. Oh, wow. That's um, great. Yeah. So what are you hoping um, when you wrote these books, uh, not only to let out your inner thoughts and emotions, but uh, was it to help other people? Yes. And, and I think first and foremost – both books, Army Wife and Fly Safe, they're meant to shine the spotlight on the spouses and family members. Um, you know, the men and women who serve our nation and raise their right hand and, and join the military voluntarily um, to serve this nation, um, they have families, whether it's a grandmother that raised them, maybe it's a mom and dad, Maybe it's a, you know, wife and kids, but those brave men and women that serve, they have family members standing right beside them that are every bit as, as brave and courageous. And if nothing else, I hope my books shine the spotlight on those unsung heroes sometimes, um, the family members. And also, I hope that um, non-military readers read my books and maybe come away with a better understanding of military life, maybe a, a greater appreciation for those men and women in uniform. 
So it's 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 all of those things. Well, we all have like a minute or two left. Uh, Vicki, what do you feel or think or how do you react when you see some of the disrespect uh, and I won't let I won't let this go political at all because this has been too good of a conversation. Um, <laughs> but how what comes up inside of you when you see the flag or our country oh. or an anthem uh, being disrespected in ways that really has nothing to do with our flag or our anthem, but they use it as a a tool. Right. What, what comes up in your gut? To me and to everybody I know that has served or has a loved one serving. It hits right to our heart because that flag represents to us. It represents the uniform that our loved ones wear. It represents our freedoms that our husbands and wives sacrifice so much for. When I think of the number of times that my sons have have been in harm's way in combat, all for that flag. When I think about my husband, when I think about everybody that served with my husband and is serving today, and oh, I mean the veterans from from all the previous wars, they fought for the freedom and for our flag. And so when people say, oh, I'm not disrespecting the flag, I just don't want to stand for the national anthem. Uh-uh, no, that doesn't work that way. It's all about the flag. It's all about our freedoms and and the men and women that defend it. Yeah, that, that really hurts. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I cannot tell you thanks enough for writing oh, the books. And I really want, if, if anybody wants to get on your website, uh, it's vickycody.com, V-I-C-K-I-C-O-D-Y.com. Uh, and get this book, folks. This is a great gift uh, for people that's in the military or not. It's just yeah, a wonderful, wonderful read. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us oh, tonight. Thank you for this opportunity. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. You you did a great interview. You do well, your appreciate research that. and it was fun. <laughs> well, and tell your husband, General Cody, that, that we applaud him and thank you for the service. And people like him make me uh, even more proud of my own son's uh, because of what they're doing and what your sons are doing and serving uh, in the Army right now. So thank you so much. Well, and thank you for your son's service. And I hope our paths cross again. And maybe through one of your sons, they will. It will. I, I, I hope so. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Vicki. Appreciate you being with us tonight. Anytime you have another book, come on back. We can talk about this one for another three okay, hours. I, I know. will. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Good night now. Good night. We, we like to share uh, each and every week, like we always do. We always close out the program the last 30 seconds or so. We're just letting you know you just heard an unbelievable story of what life is about. Uh, the good, bad, and the ugly sometimes. And when you're on the other side of it and you look back and you go, wow, I made it through it. I endured. Whatever you are in, whether it is a military war or the own war that's going on inside of your heart, in your mind, or your family, or in your own personal world. I want to let you know, you need to dig deep. You need to hang on tight. You need to pull yourself up by those bootstraps. And remember, there's always, always hope. Never give up. Never stop fighting for hope. Join us right here next week. Uh, for another edition of Breaking the Silence, live from the most beautiful city in the world, Houston, Texas. 
and thank you for joining us tonight. And Vicki, again, thank you for being a very, very special guest. God bless you. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence. Thank you.